I was a rambunctious sort. You know, after college, you know, I just wanted to go and tear up the European continent, which I did. But during the days, I'd go to the museums. From Grindstone Media, this is Nebraska Made, a narrative journey through the lives of Nebraska's most inspiring business leaders. We unpack the intimate details of how our guests navigated obstacles and built their companies in pursuit of the good life. I'm JT Martin, and today we hear from Buck Kieschel, the owner of the Kieschel Fine Arts Gallery on O Street in Lincoln, where you can find all kinds of art from Picasso to local Nebraska artists. Our guest today, Buck Kieschel, is the owner of a three-story art gallery in downtown Lincoln that holds thousands of rare and famous works of art with prices ranging up to $10 million. Fine art usually isn't the first thing that comes to mind when you think about Nebraska, but Buck has made a name for himself as an honest dealer, and it helps that fine art runs in his family. I was born in New York, but really I grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska. I mean, I moved here in... Uh, 1976-ish, you know, I would have been like uh, three or four years old. I remember when my dad told my sister and I that we were moving to Nebraska and he brought out this map and my sister freaked out. She's a couple of years older because, you know, she was going to leave her friends and I just remember, you know, okay, we're moving to Nebraska. <laughs> um, but, you know, just little bits and pieces. So your mom had an art gallery in her basement when you were young. She did. Um, you know, she she got her PhD in arts education or something at the at the university uh, when I was, you know, in grade school, and then I guess in, in high and when I was in junior high, uh, she finished. Um, she opened the gallery in 1986, and she 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 grew it. And I mean, she's a great she's a great source, and probably uh, one of my uh, you know I was one one of my greatest art teacher too. I mean, whatever museum was having a wonderful show, I mean, we kind of that's where our family trips would be. And uh, you know, she, and she was always interesting. I she I I, I love the gory war paintings. Um, you know, naked women too, where I always, you know, this was before the internet, you know. Um, and, uh, but you know, she was cool. She, she knew what, she knew what would trip my trigger. And so she'd always point me in the right direction. When did you realize that you started to like art? Was there a specific piece that you saw? Or was it an age? I don't know. You know, I mean, you know, it's cool. I mean, I remember when we were little and there were always artists that, that would come through. I mean, I'd, you know, probably my earliest would be like, Keith Jacobs, hey, he was at the time like a young landscape artist that was head of the painting department at the university. And I remember like he was out like, you know, doing watercolor studies in her backyard. And I can remember as a kid being, you know, maybe nine or 10 years old, sitting there like looking over his shoulder, like wanting to see what he did and all of this. And which I know now much must have just annoyed the hell out of Keith. But uh, I find it funny. I mean, in a lot of ways, I, I view Keith now as sort of like, he's someone that's been with me, you know, throughout, you know, my career in the arts and has always sort of offered me sort of sage advice. I mean, I kind of consider him in some ways like my art father. I mean, my, because, you know, I'm lucky enough to have my actual mother be my, my art mother. 
Keith Jacob Shagan is a professor at the University of Nebraska and received the Outstanding Research and Creativity Award from the university and has been featured on the front page of the Smithsonian Press. He had an impact on Buck from a young age and Buck's appreciation of art continued to blossom the older he became. From age like 16 to age like uh, 21, 22, I was, I was, uh, I was a rambunctious sort. Um, you know, after college, you know, I just wanted to go and tear up the European continent and drink it up, which I did. But during the days, I'd go to the museums. You know, art's always been a part of my life. I mean, I think when I wasn't doing it full time, it was still a part. You know, even as, you know, even as, you know, a college kid, I'd still go to the art show. You know, it's like, because I'd still think it was cool. You know, even even if it was by myself. I wish I picked up great uh, art knowledge in college, but a lot of it's just from throughout my life. Going to museums, being interested, reading stuff, and then, you know, for the last, uh, you know, for the last 20 years, you know, doing it on an everyday, this is what we do basis. After college, I decided to drive around the country and figure out what I was gonna do, and uh, went, to, uh, went to Boston. That's where I, you know, that's where I ended up me meeting my wife. I mean, I was, uh, I was 23, she was 22. We must, our parents must have been terrified. Uh, we got a U-Haul, loaded up both of our cars, and just drove west with no idea where where we were gonna live or what we were gonna do or anything. And we just did it. And yeah, ended up my sophomore career like uh, selling Y2K compliancy software to corporations, which in, in 1998 and 1999 uh, was evidently relevant. And then after the world didn't blow up at 2000, that company was bought by another company. And then, you know, I found myself, and then I was kind of, I was in limbo and um, with a kid on the way. And, uh, and then mom's like, why? She'd been trying to get me to join the business, literally always. And then so I said, okay, let's give this a shot. So Buck goes from selling Y2K software to joining the family fine art business probably the most different careers imaginable. At this point, his mom has been running the gallery out of her home for about 20 years, so Buck decided it was time to turn the business into something a little more established. You took over the business in 2007. How did how did that go? Was your mom ready to do something else? No, I mean, she was, um, dad, my dad was retiring. I mean, he was, uh, and they were just, um, and it was always sort of understood. Everything was very amicable, and then, in 2013, with with moving, I mean, really didn't change the crux of our business. I mean, but we were just able to do it on a larger scale. What what prompted that move? You know, really the availability of the building. I mean, it was um, it was a good business year too, and I had some things you know go my way, and it was kind of presented to you know, and I, I'd always sort of like you know kind of like drove down the O Street being like, God, I love one of these buildings came up for sale. And then uh, Robin Ashelman actually called me and her her husband is actually with Deets also. And she said, uh, so Buck, the, the Deets building is for sale. Do you want to see it? So it was like, it was, it was basically about as much as a nice home in South Lincoln. But you know, I'm like, it's a four story building and 
on uh, on O Street. And so I'm like, so we went, and then um, you know it was pretty rough. Um, but I wanted that. I wanted that. You know, I wanted it right there, and I could kind of see what I wanted to do. So Buck takes over the iconic building on 12th and O that had formerly been owned by Dietz Music for close to a century. Dietz was such an iconic link in business that many of its patrons were relieved to find out that it would still be used for appreciation of the arts. Buck put over a million dollars into getting the building up to what it is today, with proper fiber optics, plumbing, electric, while still keeping the original floorings, exposed brick, and high ceilings. It also features a new rooftop deck that boasts one of the most unique views of the city skyline. And after all these upgrades, the business started to take off. What was your most iconic or valuable piece that you've ever sold and who ended up purchasing it? Well, I mean, there, there are a few. I mean, there's, um, you know, uh, like Alice Walton with her Crystal Bridges Museum. I mean, I think the first, uh, the first million dollar painting I ever sold was to her. Um, it was a painting, it was a Thomas Hart Benton painting entitled Plowing It Under. And uh, it's a very iconic painting of a, of a man behind a mule sort of digging up this field. It's, it was an awesome painting. And it uh, would have been so much more valuable now. I mean, that was probably back, uh, I don't know, it was maybe 06. Do you remember the, the feeling that you had after you sold that really iconic piece? Oh yeah, I was you know you're on top of the world for you you think you think you're a genius until you until you really until you know and then a little time goes by and you're like oh crap okay we, we, we I need to I need to reinvent the wheel again. What's the most valuable piece of art that you've ever had, and what goes into kind of bringing that into your gallery? Maybe the the transportation of it or the you know the security of it. How does that work? You know, around ten million. Um, and, uh, you know, normally, uh, that's me picking it up and driving it back. From where? From New York? Wherever it is. You know, I mean, um, you know, it was just, uh, just got a major piece out of Boston, uh, last week. And, you know, literally, uh, went, uh, went to, went and picked it up at the house in Boston. Next morning, met with a client in Greenwich, Connecticut, and showed them the piece. They didn't buy it, and uh, popped it in my car, left Greenwich, Connecticut at 11.30 at night, and rolled into my house in Lincoln, Nebraska at 6 a.m. Probably the greatest painting I ever sold. Like, you know, it's, it's in New York. But I can also remember, you know, the same client having the perfect painting for him, having the world move so everyone could get this painting to him, and um, getting it to, you know, his penthouse apartment right there on the wall, and think, God, this is perfect. This painting's painted in 1929. This building was built in 1929. This is just just belongs. And having his wife uh, walk in, who I love the woman, she's a dear woman, just looking at it and saying, yeah, this is kind of a boy's painting. I, I, don't, I don't really like it. And then just having my guy just turn to me and say, sorry, Buck. <laughs> and then you know you try to pitch it, but you know you're you know it, you know it's a, you're pitching it onto a deaf ear, and um, you know you just 
keep that smile on your face and you know and you know and, and hide the hide the devastations so uh, there's no awkwardness because you always want to be welcome back into that situation but I remember when that happened and uh, and I, th- I I thought that was for sure in the bag and I at that point I, th- I was like devastated and within 24 hours I walked. 23 miles around New York City. I just walked and walked and walked and walked and walked and walked and walked. And and, and then I got in my car and drove home. You know, because what, what are you going to do? You know, sometimes the one you think is there and that you have just falls apart. But, you know, life's weird. And, you know, the right thing and the right situation. And, you know, sometimes there's an angel on your shoulder, man. So Buck has seen his highs and lows in the fine art game. He's worked with George Lucas on building his new museum of narrative art, and he enjoys the thrill of getting to work with something he loves despite the uncertainty. Now every gallery is different, but most galleries take somewhere around a 50% commission from the pieces they sell. But much like every industry, success depends on who you know. In the museum world and what I do, it's a pretty closed circle. I mean, if you've been doing it for a while, if you're known for something, it's you generally know the people. I mean, because at some point that art advisor was head of some museum or a dealer in something, and you've worked with them. And they and and so that's why it's like sometimes just that meeting, like going into whatever city and meeting with the museum people, something might not happen then. But you know, with museum people, they they end up they it's it's like a it's like you're shuffling cards every three years, sort of with where they end up, and so it's just about building relationships and like just uh, just being a good ethical dealer. I think the standard art gallery mantra is not it's not gonna survive. You need outlets so, you know, the living artists have a place for their work to be seen. And so, you know, the people that are producing are really the creative people in our society have a voice. Because without the art gallery, you know, their voice becomes two-dimensional. And I mean, I think to really understand art, you have to be standing in front of it. What about starting your gallery here in Nebraska? Do you think has benefited to its success? It's, I think it's played a huge factor. I mean, first off, when you when you call someone and like you're calling someone on the East Coast or the West Coast or whatever, and uh, they're like, "Where are you, Lincoln, Nebraska?" What? People generally are receptive to Nebraskans. I mean, I, you know, I think also being in Nebraska because you know we're we're sort of in the middle of a lot of extremes. I think Nebraskans have an excellent BS detector, simply because I can tell. So because you just know, you just know. I mean, we're we're even people. We're 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 pretty transparent, and also I think as far as doing business, and I mean a lot of, you know, a lot of my uh, my clients, like a lot of my big clients, I've never met face to face. And if you're talking about like you know them sending you a check and then you're FedExing out, you know, a $50,000 piece of art to them. You know, I think there is some reassurance that it's going to Nebraska. I think, 
I think overall, when you're dealing with the uh, with the nation, the national market, I think Nebraska has a very good reputation as far as just being honorable. You know, not being you know not being some snake, snake, or being someone that's gonna be around if you have a question in two years. Today, Buck owns thousands of paintings, and he hopes to open up an auction house where he can auction off pieces. You can check out the Keishal Art Gallery on O Street from Monday through Saturday, and they host a late night event with wine on the first Friday of every month. I'm JT Martin, and this has been a Grindstone production. Grindstone is one of the premier production and marketing firms here in Lincoln, offering everything you need to grow your business in 2020, from video and podcast production to social media management and media buying. You can learn more by visiting grindstoneagency.com. If you have a piece long enough to really gloat over it, the shine, the shine, the shine seems to fade because that also means you haven't sold it yet.